Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. I am Becky, and joining me for this episode is Carolina. Hi, Carolina. Hey, Becky. I am so excited for this one. Yeah, I'm interested to talk to you about this book. It's been on my TBR for a while, um, mm-hmm. pretty much since it came out. I think that, and we'll get into it, but I think that I knew that this was going to be a little bit more of an emotional read and a taxing mm-hmm. read. So I just, it was easy to put off, right? We all have those books that were like, right. I'll just wait till next time. Um, so on this episode of A Quick Shot of Romance, we are reviewing The Kingmaker by Kennedy Ryan. This is book one in the All the King's Men duet. I am reading this book for the very first time, and I have not started book two until tonight after we record this. <laughs> um, the, episode, uh, the Rebel King will drop on October 17th, and this episode will contain spoilers for book one only. So if you're okay, listening... wait a second. When is this episode dropping? Uh, the Kingmaker. The Kingmaker is dropping October 10th. So people are oh, listening okay. to this yeah. October 10th. Okay. And, and then, then the follow-up will happen on 10-17, a week later. Um, but we are going to spoil book one in this episode. We're going to talk about all the things in and including the cliffhanger. Yes. Um, and f- interestingly enough, it, when you look at the series on Amazon, um, it's actually a three book series, but book one and two are the same characters, Maxim and Lennox. Book three is um, her partner. I and I'm blanking. I'm blanking on her. Kimba. Kimba. So I wonder. But Yes. Book three is Kimba, the queen move. Um, so yeah, so book one and two are the same couple. Okay. Uh, we will link the synopsis of the book in our on the shelf show notes at buzzingaboutromance.com. So release date. I'm a little salty at Amazon right now. FYI, just so we know. Okay. Okay. Um, the release date, the first time this book released was October 25th, 2019. Now there is a new edition that's called the Bloom edition, which released May 23rd, 2023. Yep, has new covers. It yep. has new covers. So I had the Kingmaker on my Kindle, the original version. Yep, I did too. And then I went and bought the new Bloom version. Yep. Yep. So this is a review on the Bloom version, not on the original. So if I think she updated well, storylines and added some content to it. So, and here's the interesting thing too, because I probably 75% of this I audiobooked. And 25% I read when I, because I bought the audiobook, but that synced with the original version, not the Bloom version. Yeah. So it, it's not, <laughs> it was a little complicated. It was a little complicated. Um, so the tropes in this book are instant connection. This is an age gap. This is a newer I'm going to say this is new adult romance for me because she is young when it starts. When it starts. Part one. Um, this, the, and even part one, well, part one has the, well, book one, let me rephrase, book one, because it book one has three parts in it. Yeah. Um, And those three parts span over, what, 14, 15 years? Yeah. I think it's a 15 year timeline. 15, a 15 year timeline. So 
now book two doesn't have that same you know it stays all within the same very similar timelines but yeah so it starts as new adult but by the time you get to part three it's no longer there um i think we give some grace if we say new adult because i have issues with maxim so well okay yes no i i know where you're going we give him grace because dude made me mad um this is a slow burn it is a bit forbidden and it is a political romance um and i i would also classify it as there's a second chance element of it i think that's the interesting storytelling part of this is that i don't think we would traditionally get if this was a one book story we wouldn't get like book part one and two of this um i disagree because i just recently read jill rams hour flashbacks but i don't know that we would get no i jill rams hour just had a book uh heather and i did a quick shot on it ruthless stranger it alternates the timeline so there Mm -hmm. is a way for authors to do this without sectioning yeah um but you're right there is a second chance element and because it's the same two characters Mm -hmm. um but it i've seen it done in one book even recently i don't think it's back in 2009 it might have been a newer way to do it um but currently i think it's something that lots of authors are using it's actually one of my so i will say in the structure of this book i liked how she sectioned it into parts i did too okay and i think we also need to clarify that this is first time read for becky this is a reread for me and it's one that i've been like once in a blue moon i can harp becky to say you need to read this you need to read this you need to read this so this is a reread for me but i would agree that um i do like how she sections it because it makes the timeline very clear well and i don't like flashbacks and romance that's one of my current gripes lots of authors are using flashbacks in a way to tell us things as readers instead of showing us and i would rather have it be shown in snippets or do it like this give me sections i feel like a lot of times with flashbacks we're taken out of the moment of the book and put back into somewhere else. Whereas this book, it was kind of like a piece of music because you have the prelude Mm -hmm. and then it just slowly Mm -hmm. continues to build and build and build. And then we get to the end and there are some high moments and some low moments within the story, but then there's this huge crescendo at the very end that leaves you and you're waiting for what is this grand finale. And I think by doing that in parts, she's able to create that kind of momentum for this story. Had it been, I would agree. Had it been done yeah. in flashbacks, I think we would have been starting over every time we were back in the present day. I would agree with that. And I would also say that um, we really, one of the things I liked about this these books is that we really get to sit with these characters and and build a connection with them in a very deep way 
um, and learn their history. Like we, we follow their history, right? So instead of doing flashbacks or doing like, you know, showing timelines or, you know, adjusting timelines, you really get to, um, I feel like you really get to experience it right alongside with them. Yeah. Um, I think especially when it comes to Lennox, like we feel her moments. Her moments are very dynamic in this book. Um, okay, so put out percentage was 28%. It's point of view, first person. Um, is it just single point of view? Or do we just mostly get... No, we get some maximum points of view too. It's dual. It's dual. It's dual. Um, the audiobook narrators, which I did listen to some of this um, and read, so it just good. depended. It was Jason Clark and Joe Raylan. And hello, Jason Clark. I like Jason Clark. I, I like Jason Clark, period. But I really like him when we get into, like, when this book got into part three, because mm-hmm. then I really felt like Jason Clark voice fit that version of Maxim really well. Oh. Um yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, when it was the younger kind of part one and part two, yeah. I, I felt like it was just a little bit, um, I mean, I, I suffered through it because it was Jason Clark, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, it's, he's much younger and Jason Clark has a maturity and a gruffness in his voice yeah. that I think fit better. But, and, and so when we're talking about between the two books, we're talking about like it fits with him for seventy five percent of the book, right? Between the two, seventy five percent of the story between the two. Now, I will have to say, Joe, Raylan. what's her last name? Raylan. Raylan, impeccable performance. This and this, I don't feel like this was a narration. I feel like this was a performance because there was this. There's very few narrators. There, there's tons of narrators I love. But I feel like they're doing narration of the book. And there's a, like a handful that I say that it's, it is a character performance. And she, she really brought another dimension to Lennox. I liked her as Lennox. Um, it took me a minute. I started with audio first. And there is some... That first five chapter, really part one, mm-hmm. is emotionally taxing. And it is, it feels like emotional dump. Like you are feeling, especially so, especially in this book that we're dealing with some very real, real life cultural experiences, right? This cultural book starts- social issues, yeah. We're starting off with- you know, the colonization and the theft of land of the indigenous people. We're talking about water rights and the fact that the federal government continues to, you know, fight against these native sovereign countries that are within our borders that are not being, we're not caring for the treaties the way we should. And then the um, indigenous women that continue systematically to go missing and nobody's doing anything. On top of this young girl trying to find her place in this world mm-hmm. and kind of straddling the two lines of her dad's white world and her mother's indigenous world. And her mother and her aunt, because her 
you know, we learn in the story, her mother is one of those people that women that go missing. Yeah, it was a lot, those first. So it took me till midway through part two to settle in within the, the narration. Well, and I think that this is one of the things that when I read this book, I wasn't expecting the depth of the story and the and the forward-facing cultural and social issues that it brings up. And it really, it, you know, part of me is shame on me, right? Like it, it brought some of this to the front that I just don't think about because it's not part of my day-to-day. It's not part of my heritage and my upbringing. And it really, um, we also, I would say we also get into part two where Maxim's passion for clean energy and what's going on with the world in that sense of climate change and um, what he's passionate about, you're really dealing with some heavy, heavy topics, which um, this book won't be for everybody. This, this series won't be for everybody, but I think it's a very eye-opening and powerful read in that sense, because it's a voice we're um, not hearing. It's absolutely a voice we're not hearing. It's not something we expect to hear in romance. Um, I'm glad she done it. Kennedy Ryan does not shy away from big issues right we know this in Mm -hmm. her long shot series or in her hoop series um the one thing i will say is if you are an empath a true empath type person that just feels every emotion as they read a book i am not that usually emotionally connected into a book like i feel emotion but (laughs) you know we all make fun of me because i don't cry or get emotional over things um (laughs) I had to take this book in sections. I had to take this book moments at a time because it was overwhelming for me because there's this sense that like of helplessness as the reader. How do I help? How do I make this better? And the way that Kennedy Ryan writes this, these characters in this book that you just want, especially Lennox, like, Mm -hmm. So here's the breakdown of just who Lennox is. In book part one of the book, she is 17 years old. Maxim is 24. They meet at an oil line, a pipeline protest that is happening on her indigenous um, nation's land reservation. Maxim's dad is the owner of the pipeline that is violating the treaty but he has federal government um uh permission to do this and he um maxim realizes that his dad is sticking rabid dogs onto the people that are protesting and maxim inserts himself into the protest and everyone just assumes that he is just there to protest well yeah and and because you know he separates from He's captivated by Lennox because Lennox is speaking. And even at 17, she's she's got a strong and powerful voice. Um, he separates from the dad because he sees what's happening and and he wants to go help. Um, 
so he gets arrested alongside of them and they just assume and he doesn't correct because he also knows with his last name and his dad's corporation that it could be trouble but he's so captivated by Lennox that which that was a little icky I didn't need that I'm just gonna say he's 24 she was 17 well and he didn't know that until later Mm. and it still felt a little icky well he didn't know that and once he realized it he pulled back he did he did in the storyline um Lennox she is so her as a character is fairly phenomenal um she's so smart and principled at least in part one and part two Okay. But in part three, this integrity that she has feels like it can be bought a little bit when she goes to work for his brother. How do you see that? Well, because so as we lead up to this, there's the meet cute back in, or there's the re-meeting in, Am- in Amsterdam, which is where she loses her virginity, to Maxim. Maxim goes off to the Arctic. And, and I have to say, they have a, this week in Amsterdam is a powerful week for them. Because I think it is in their storyline. Because they die, they go deeper into their connection. They talk more. It wasn't planned and no and it really shows their passion for who they want to be as they move forward into the world and it does have that misconnection when he has left for the day and she has to mm-hmm. go home yep for an opportunity so there were definitely i feel like amsterdam was needed to bring some lightness love and passion to this story especially after part 1 right um, it was kind of like the well, interlude of, and there's that little tension cliffhanger at the end of part two that goes into part, you know, before part three, the reveal that is it's not his reveal of that he's a Cade. Yeah, that he's a Cade. So, but so in the book, when she is pursued. By Maxim's brother in order to come work on his presidential campaign as a campaign manager. Because she has now positioned herself as someone that is working very hard to get marginalized voices into office, right? She's built her whole um, resume. She wrote a book with her partner about getting women and people of color into political office into positions to make choices to help these First Nations, to help marginalized voices find representation, right? That's who she is. She is the woman Mm -hmm. you call to run your campaign for to get marginalized voices heard, right? Right. Her and Kimba. Her and Kimba. Their their agency firm, firm. Yeah, their firm. Whatever. But she's pursued by Cades. To help him run his presidential campaign, which she took it, yeah, because, like, that's prestige and she feels like she'll have a better voice and bigger reputation and then be, in part, a power. But he absolutely represents everything she has worked so hard 
to systematically take down white men, oil people. You know, it it felt like her integrity was See, a little purchasable. It, yes and no, but I also feel like I feel like they address that in the story. I, and in that um, when you look at his record on what he can do, when you think about getting somebody into the White House and helping them, he's committed as much to that as possible because he knows he has a voice. Um, so I didn't. I wasn't as bothered by it. It just made me, I think it shows that like, as we mature, we all know that we're going to have to move. Like we have young idolization, ideal. We have to make compromises. And we have to make compromises because we have to put clothes on our back and, you know, with work crates. And I, and I get that. Like it made sense in the character journey. I just wanted her to be more, I guess maybe I felt like she caved very quickly on it. I could see that. And that's a page, yeah. you know, it's a matter of page and edits. There might have been more scenes. Right. We don't know. I just wanted more. I just wanted maybe to see more of her fighting against it a little bit, I guess. Um, I also think that there's there's points where we just have to move the storyline along. Absolutely. To get to absolutely. stuff, you know. So let's talk about Maxim real quick because um, I don't. At the end of this book, at the end of this cliffhanger, and we'll get to the cliffhanger part, I don't like him. Like, so he has integrity and he fights hard for what he believes in, right? Like his goal is clean energy, clean air. He fights against his father. He actually does not represent himself into the world as a Cade. He uses um, whatever the other last name is that he has. Kingsman. He uses Kingsman. his middle name. Yeah, he uses his middle name, and he very much clearly um, moves himself very far away from his father and his father's influence into the world. Um, and I liked that. Uh, but... I feel like he's much more of an enigma, which I think is why you probably don't like him as much because there's a lot that, and it's kind of glossed over a little bit, probably because of, you know, page, like there are probably edits of how much that happened in those 10 years. Because at one point he says, um, you know, he's going to come back for her. And it was like, he kind of went dark for 10 years and he talks a little bit about it, but I think there's, that makes him okay, what really did happen? What's really going on? It, we don't know as much about him as we do about Lennox. Yeah. So I think what I what bugs me about him is she accepted him back with minimal effort from him. I'm big for a grand gesture and a grovel. You know that, right? Like, mm -hmm. I wanted him to grovel more. I feel like okay. she just kind of took him back and didn't grovel enough. Um. And I think part of that comes into, so I will say I felt like that sec that third book, once she accepts the position and up and until the cliffhanger, 
there's some kind of dragging points in there. Like mm -hmm. the, the pacing of the book is a little slow right there. Yeah. And that third part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like this was more than a romance. It's really a, fa a family. It dives into heritage, culture, diversity, loss, hope, and love. Um, and I think that those were just as important as the romance in this book. I would agree. I um, would agree. Okay, so let's real quick, because we touched on it before we get to the cliffhanger, because this episode's run a little long. So there is a 10-year leap, and it felt unnecessary. I felt like five, seven. The 10 years, and then the fact that he didn't even make any effort, that he went dark for 10 years? I don't know. And then he didn't grovel. Like, there were just these little things that I'm like... Jesus, Joseph and Mary, dude. Um. Okay. <laughs> because I have read book two. Um. I, I I think ten years was a long time, but I also think that when you think about Kimba and Lennox's career, you needed those jumps. You needed that. To, for them to be that at the forefront of what they're doing with political candidates, they needed that time. Because if you think about it, elections happen every two to four years, right? So you needed enough time for them to make a name for themselves that they would potentially work on and lead a presidential campaign, right? Otherwise, five, seven years wouldn't be No, plausible. but it could have been... At least in this first part of this book, as little political intrigue as we've had in it or political storyline, it could have been a, sen a senator case. He could have been a congressman and then gone into as a senator or a governor or something. Yeah. It just for just the Lennox and Maxim part, not necessarily like their storylines and who they are. It felt very much. I'll do my own thing. You do yours. And then we'll come back together. And I, Maxim, am going to demand that you give me a second chance and you aren't going to fight me. And I felt like that pretty much rounds up part three. But then there's this cliffhanger and I hated the cliffhanger, not because it was a cliffhanger. Okay. I think the whole kidnapped in the jungle and why she was on that mission in the middle of a very big client launch and political thing. Like I know people in politics, they wouldn't, allow their campaign manager to go off to the jungle for six weeks like right. it felt like she needed something to cause drama but she didn't want it to be angst between the two characters it needed to be an outside source so get kidnapped in the jungle i don't know i really felt disconnected and maybe it'll be cleared up in book two but in all honesty, if we weren't doing this quick shots, that cliffhanger made me mad enough that I might not have read book two. No. Yeah, I'm that mad about that cliffhanger. It was so stupid, in my opinion. Okay. I love everything else. And I want to see how we get to their HEA. But this kidnapped in the jungle thing, I don't know. It felt like 1990s soap opera drama. And when was this book released? 2019 okay it just i don't know okay i didn't love I, that I, I i can't i i can't say anything 
That's fine. I just hope that she figures it out because as of right now, like going into, I could forgive the pacing issues of section three. I could, um, the age, you know, the beginning, all of that stuff. Like I could deal with the 10 years and all of that. Mm -hmm. This kidnapping, I'm just like, this is dumb. I feel like there's just other things she could have used for outside source. I don't know. I just don't love this choice. Okay. So that's just where I'm at. <laughs> All right. But you like the cliffhanger then, I take it? Um, like, if I you look at funny. just that section of it, like, not anything leading up to it, just she goes to the jungle for six weeks on this medical mission. I think that speaks to her commitments, like, because she had already long, I think long before she committed to this campaign, she committed to this going to help her friend's brother and her ex-boyfriend on this mission trip. Um, I like that she connects with the girls and, you know, she bonds and helps them, you know. Um, I think that speaks to her nature. Um, I don't know. I There's a little adventure part in it that was it was this the best choice i don't know i i don't have as strong feelings as it as becky does um just if you're gonna have a cliffhanger make it make sense and that felt like it didn't make sense but yes i, I that's that's all i'm gonna say at this point okay i know i know some stuff okay uh join us back here october 17th for the rebel king um, I will be reading that and we will record that episode after I read it. So, and then we'll let you know what we think of this duet. Anything else? No. <laughs> okay. Um, until next time, everyone, happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.